0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Artistic Futures podcast. My name is Marie, and in this series, I will be meeting a range of people who work in opera and are keen to share their passion with the next generation. From singers to conductors, directors to composers, you will get an insight into how a range of artists built on their careers, turning what they enjoyed doing and were good at into a profession. It will also be full of useful tips and advice for those of you who would be tempted to give it a go. So, let's get started. In this episode, I'm speaking to director Matthew Eberard. Matthew is directing Trouble in Tahiti at Opera North this season, and we managed to find an hour to share a cup of tea and chat about his journey as an artist in the middle of the rehearsal period. Matthew began his career in 2012 and for several years worked as an assistant director in both opera and musical theatre. His work as director also includes Street Scene, which toured with Opera North and was due to be revived for Theatre Magdeburg in Germany. He has also directed a number of musicals, including Fame and Legally Blonde. In parallel, Matthew has worked in numerous conservatoires and drama schools. He has also led devising projects for young people.
1: Right, should we do this? Yeah, go on, let's do it. Hi Matthew, thank you so much for meeting me. That's alright, nice Uh, to see um, you. (laughs) Really exciting to speak to you um, about your journey and what you're you're doing uh, with the North at the moment. So you are a director and I thought the first question I should ask you is what does a director actually do? <laughs>
2: <laughs> Good question. Um, well, I suppose um, it's also a particularly interesting question in opera because I feel like in opera, the, the, the creating these pieces as we do is really collaborative. So I suppose one of the challenges has been working out what is that role when you've got a conductor to your right who is channeling all the emotional energy of the music I suppose it's really about providing a sort of space in which people can come to and talk about what they think the piece is about. I think I used to believe that it was about me knowing what I thought the piece was about. And I think that is still to some extent the case. But the more that I've worked with um, some of the brilliant artists who we get to work with at Opera North, the more I realise that actually your job is to kind of curate rehearsals where people are able to talk quite freely about the way they connect with the material and then to kind of join that all together so whilst that's happening you're creating a kind of a story arc and you're working out what is the most effective narrative that you can tell for this particular piece and how is that how can you make a narrative which you know as we have this problem quite a lot in opera how can we make a narrative which really works for audiences today it's certainly about you know creating a design creating a world in which these characters can um express themselves and the performers can express themselves and uh, and there's just quite a lot of organization it's about sort of being that the person who's sort of pulling in different areas around you and allowing everyone else to do their job uh to the best of their ability so you know you never again i used to think directing was about knowing everything and then i realized that actually while you know the costume department is so brilliant; they will always have better answers to these questions than than I have. So it's about how can I make sure that they do the best job that they can do. So yeah, I'd say it's a it's a real combination of things.
1: That's great. I think the the word director sometimes can be a bit uh, misleading because you think director, so you're telling people what to do, isn't it? Yeah, but it's not, actually not at all. No,
2: about... absolutely. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know why this is. I thought this is particularly true of opera, but I think because of. The collaboration between music and drama um, you know between um, between sort of creative sort of creative design you know e- expressing a score which is already has a lot of information in it about the emotional language you have to really um, yeah it has to be really collaborative and I think uh, the more I work in it the more I, I really enjoy that side of it that's
1: great yeah it's not really a type of career path that people might know much about but I'm curious to find out how you got into this profession. So yeah. were you always interested in musicals and opera or do you remember the first time you you saw a show?
2: Yeah, sure. Well I remember the first time I saw an opera. I think I saw um gosh, I think it was Aida, um in Verona. Amazing. But I was I was very young. All I remember was I was kind of too small. Even with the kind of the great rake seating, I was too small to really see what was going on. So my parents bought me a libretto and I just sat there for the whole thing, just following the words. And I, I remember just feeling amazed at seeing written words in front of me that were sort of what these characters were saying, and then hearing this music and that being a representation of what I was reading. But um yeah, that's my first sort of opera experience. But I, I didn't go to the opera much growing up, and it wasn't really until I don't know, sort of really after I sort of left university, sort of about when I was about 21, 22, that I sort of began to engage more with with seeing opera. Mm -hmm. Um, And one of the first ones that I saw, I don't know when this was, was a production of Midsummer Night's Dream at English National Opera that actually was designed by Charlie Edwards who does quite a lot of work with Opera North and he designed Trouble in Tahiti which I'm working on oh, at yeah. the moment so feel, it feels so amazing so a nice circle I'm
1: oh yeah that. I feel sort of in awe really <laughs> yeah. you know
2: and I keep telling him I saw one of the first things I saw was a thing you designed you know uh, yeah I remember sort of being amazed by just you know going in with the notion of Midsummer Night's Dream and then watching that production and yeah. kind of going wow this is so much more I've always been interested in in, in music in a dramatic sense I used to have these um, magazines called Music Box and -hmm. they came out weekly. And every week it was um, a famous piece of classical music like, you know, um, The Planets by Holst. Mm. There would be um, a story of a boy and a girl who would have some sort of adventure and there'll be beautiful sort of, drawn images um an illustrated sort of picture book in a way showing their journey and there'd be a cassette tape that's how that's how long ago it was (laughs) a cassette tape which had um uh, the the story narrated you could follow in the picture book and it would have the music music tied in the background what was great about that is that the b side of the cassette was just the music with no narration and i remember really enjoying listening to the first side and hearing that story and then just listen to music without that story being narrated. But now that music is charged with a kind of energy about it. Yeah, it's got a
1: different meaning. Yeah, exactly. You, yeah, and,
2: yeah. Uh, you know, and I counted, there were 50 of them, I think. Um, <laughs> and I nearly got all of them, very gutted. I think I missed, like, 32 to 38, and I'll never forgive my dad for not picking that up on the way home from work. But, um, yeah, and so I think, yeah, I remember always being excited by those things. And, yeah, I started directing when I was... Um, At school, I started directing some theatre pieces. I directed lots of musicals at at, uh, university. And then I started just, yeah, assisting in fringe opera, really, in London, sort of on very small things. And it was through that that I uh, met a director who was like, oh, I'm reviving a piece at Opera North. It was Martin Duncan. It was Midsummer Night's Dream, again, actually, weirdly enough. And I assisted on that. And I suppose my route directing on the opportunity to, to do that has really come through uh, being part of the company of Opera North and, mm-hmm. and learning lots about the company and the way they make work. I'm feeling quite excited by okay. that and going, oh, actually, I think I could direct a show within this structure that I know so, and well. So it's you not know.
1: really something like you wouldn't say when you were 12 or 13, I want to be a, a director. No. It's not really something that happened like it, that. No, it, it's not. Yeah. It,
2: no, definitely not. I think I wanted to be an architect because yeah. I've, I love spaces. Yeah. And actually, weirdly, now as a director, the first thing I do when I get a piece is kind of go, what's the building like, where it's yeah. set? Like, that's the thing yeah. I want to know first. I feel like mm-hmm. once you've got a building or a space, y- you have a, a, a language of movement through that space. And actually the thing kind of then starts to do itself and the story comes sort of comes about. I think it was through discovering just how complex opera is and that thing about collaboration that I said, mm-hmm. you know, at the start, that yeah. actually discovering all of that made me go, oh maybe this is something that I could do more and be more at the heart of, you know. But it was only through a discovery of the process of the way the work is made, did I then maybe see myself as maybe taking on a bigger role within that. Yeah,
1: yeah. So so you didn't get any special training as a director? You went on to study at university, didn't you? That's right.
2: So I sort of studied English and um but there was nothing really in that. I suppose, you know, analysis is always useful when reading a text or whatever. But um, no, I think really the training for me, and I think there are other ways of doing it now. I think there are more courses training directors and training kind of the director's eye, whatever that might be. But but no, for me it was really about being a being a, an assistant, uh, which is in a way its own skill set. Being an assistant and watching lots of people tackle that tricky job so brilliantly and and being really excited by that so so um, what
1: do you have to do as a, an assistant and what kind of skills did you learn yeah, doing yeah i
2: reckon so i mean certainly um i, I mean I, I play the piano I was growing up and the trombone very badly um so I don't talk about that but I played the piano (laughs) not brilliantly but all right so I could read music Mm -hmm. uh, and I think so I I think that certainly helped me because I could pick up a score and have some sort of idea what was going on I I suppose it's sort of you know just being quite meticulous and wanting everything to be perfect (laughs) It's also you suffer for that don't you as well being a perfectionist but Mm -hmm. I think when you're assisting your um just trying to make sure everything is the way it needs to be. Yeah. And I enjoy doing that. You know, I kind of hmm. enjoy dotting the I's and crossing the T's. And and I think I also just enjoy being around people. So rehearsal rooms are just a really great place to be, because, especially as an assistant, I have to say, because you, you are, in a way, the link between everything. You know, and when you're in the theatre, especially, you know, you're the one... During technical rehearsals, running backstage, speaking to wigs, speaking to costume, speaking to stage management or to props or to the chorus or the conductor. or And I loved being, I kind of really enjoyed being that person who was sort of just running around a lot and talking to lots of people. I don't think I necessarily had an idea of kind of the work I wanted to make as a director at that point or even which pieces fascinated me. It was more about the job and what I liked about doing that role.
1: What was... Your first experience of directing a show, like, what was it a bit daunting? Where you, like, yeah. did you have some doubts about, I mean, I imagine yeah. it must be yes. quite a big responsibility. Yeah,
2: so I think, well, I mean, in a way it's funny because the first sort of thing I ever directed was sort of just at school with my yeah. friends yeah. and that was kind of great. And in a way, I remember I had the whole thing prepared before we started. I would everything written out. and exactly <laughs> where I wanted everyone to be all of the time. And I had very three, sort of very willing three very willing school friends who were happy to <laughs> to do and we'd rehearse time. at each yes. other's houses in the summer holidays and that kind of thing. Of course, it is very different when you're working with people who it is their job day in, day out to, to be artists, to be singers. And what they need from a rehearsal process is very different to what I'd experienced before. I suppose the first piece I ever directed for um, Opera North was the piece I'm actually reviving at the moment, which is Trouble in Tahiti. And um, yeah, I mean, it is, it is very daunting. I mean, the, the way I always described it was it it, it's it's like you've got a couple of sandbags on your shoulders and you spend quite a lot of time going why can't I do this better like this suddenly feels harder than I was expecting it to and you feel quite frustrated about that it's almost like you're doing the job with like one hand tied behind your back and I think a lot of that is to do with um yeah the the, the pressures of the job the kind of the fear that you're gonna you're not gonna you know you're not gonna get there and obviously the more you do the, the more those kind of fears ease but um I I speak to lots of directors about this, and my understanding is is that that fear never really goes away. You'll make big plans for the first day. We can do you know these great games, or we can do this, or we can come up with creative ways of, of working on the first day. And you get to the first day, and it's like, right? You come on from there. You come on from there because you're just so nervous about working with those group of people. So I think a lot of it is about accepting that actually, mm-hmm. and accepting that is part of the process.
1: And how do you prepare for a show like *Trouble in Tahiti? How long in advance do you start planning for these things? Yeah. And, and what what is the process of planning for a show? Yeah,
2: well, I guess uh, opera is quite unique, I guess in a way, and um, because I think you're given quite a long lead time. You know, I suppose operon is always planning maybe two or three years ahead. They sort of start sketching out that, what the season might look like. So you might have, I mean, for Street Scene, for example, I had about two years to prepare, really. I suppose the first thing you do is you you spend a bit of time with the piece, but you're, you're trying not to spend too much time with it because you realise you've got a long road ahead. So you're spending enough time to kind of get a sense of where you feel like it might take you, but not yet overexposing yourself to it because i think that's that's also a danger you know so the first thing you really try and do is find your collaborators so the first person you'll find is the designer and you know the person with whom you're going to create the world that the piece is going to exist in that's a really big decision feels like a really big decision and the design for the production normally has to be signed off yeah between eight to twelve months before it opens
1: So it's quite a long leeway,
2: isn't it? Yeah, it is a long leeway. And of course, you know, you have other jobs overlapping, so you're kind of coming in and out of the process. Mm -hmm. So really, once you do the design, this tends to happen a lot, I think, that you actually take a step out of it, you step away from it for a bit, because you've kind of got so into it, you know, it's hard to see the wood from the tree. So So you sort of design, and then you sort of pull back, and then you get to the kind of, I suppose, three to four months leading up to rehearsals. And that's when you really start sitting down with it and really going, okay... How how am I gonna solve these issues? What do I want this to feel like? How is this gonna manifest on, on the design that we've created? So yeah, I think it's in those weeks leading up that it kind of becomes more more um more focused and more specific. Yeah.
1: I was wondering if you had a favorite show you've ever worked on.
2: Wow. Yeah. Um I suppose one of the pieces that I loved doing actually was the first assisting job that I did at Opera North, which was Midsummer Night's Dream, because I suppose it was my first time being in a big company like Opera North and the support that you have in creating the work and also the brilliant artists that you get to work with. So I spent a lot of that time just sort of in awe or sort of in hysterics because, you know, there were some very, very funny performers in that um, who did that piece brilliantly. It's funny as a director... It's quite hard to gauge what the enjoyment level of working on the piece was because you, you know, you face, you face so many challenges. That was yeah. actually my next question was it? To, okay. to ask
1: you, what, what was the most challenging show you yeah. worked on?
2: Yeah, I mean, certainly um, I, a street scene is a, is a challenging piece to, uh, to to direct. I mean, it was certainly the biggest piece that I'd done sort of in, in my sort of trajectory and so far. There, there were just so many characters in that piece. It was the scope of it that I found very daunting. It's funny when you're rehearsing because it takes a long time to see the light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, for a long time, you you can't even look towards that. You're just sort of day-to-day building the thing
1: mm-hmm. and
2: you really can't see beyond that, you know? Um, so it's not until right towards the end of the process can you actually... Take a step back from what you've made and start going, what have we made and does this work and what needs to be fixed or what needs to be changed? Street Scene, I think, was a particularly unique show because it it took a very long time to get to that point simply because of how complicated it was. And actually what I respect in, you know, many very experienced directors who I, I admire is you've got to hold your nerve. Because you you don't know. You don't know in the first week or the second week or the third week. You don't know how it's going to go. You don't know what you're making. You've just got to keep making that's something. That's
1: terrifying. It is terrifying.
2: <laughs> yeah, it is terrifying. And also because you're meant to be the one in the room who is who knows exactly who knows where you're going. Yeah. But I think that's impossible to do to an extent. No,
1: but people need to believe that you know
2: you know Yeah, where absolutely. Yeah. And I suppose in the back of your mind, you of course, you have a bit of an underlying sense as to where this is all going to end up. But... Um, you know you you it is just about getting through day to day and to keep making the piece and and also I mean I remember right at the end of that process you know having quite strong thoughts to begin with about what that piece would be like and then getting to the technical rehearsals and having to get to know something a little bit different to what I thought it was going to be mm-hmm. there was a very strange thing towards the end of the street scene where it was like I felt like I was getting to know a new a new show and yeah that was quite scary but also I think yeah paid off in, in the long run in terms of making, making something that worked for the cast that we had and the times that we're in you know
1: So since I started working at the pra North in the education department, you've always been very supportive of the work we do. And you've um, directed two shows with the youth company. And you've also worked on um, Wonderland Restored, which was a big school project yeah. where I think oh, probably over a thousand school children yes. took part lots in of, a lot show. of small children, yeah. yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, do you want to tell us a bit more about this project you've been working on with us? Of
2: course, us? yeah, absolutely. So, um, yeah, so I've worked on two projects with the um, the Youth Chorus Opera North. Um, the first of those, um, I'll try and get the title right now. It's Dr. Doctor Ferret's Travelling, no, no. Roadshow. Well,
1: uh, Dr. Ferret's Bad Medicine Roadshow. Bad road show.
2: Medicine Roadshow. Yeah, okay. um, so that was the first one that I, that I worked on. And that, in a sense, was very much about... I suppose for me that was about putting on a production, mm-hmm. that was about putting on, um, you know, sort of exposing the young people to what it's like, you know, to rehearse something, to to get it ready, to have, you know, a dress rehearsal, to, we did a little bit of a tour with it, as, as you know. <laughs> the, the second project, I suppose, was a little bit of a reaction to that, which was, I. Um, I know we had a bit of a blank canvas opportunity, and I thought, well... Um, it is really hard to find existing material that the young people can really relate to. So that's where the idea to come up with something that was more devised um, came from. I remember asked lots of people, and we found a friend of mine actually recommended um, um, Chilcot's Aesop Fables, so a a sort of a series of five choral works uh, that felt very, I suppose, suitable and appropriate for the the youth chorus to sing. We essentially uh, devised a project where we... um, spoke to the young people about those stories or lessons and said, what would be a sort of equivalent for you now? You know, um, if it's slow and steady wins the race, how can you as a sort of, you know, I don't know, 15 year old now, how, how would you relate to that within, um, within, you know, your your day to day life? And we sort of gathered all that information in. Um, I remember, there was a session I think that was recorded on audio and I remember being on a train just listening to these young people talking about these things, going, oh, this is so exciting. So we sort of pulled their responses back and out of that created a piece of work where we sang these five um, Chilcot songs but also created... Uh, with a with a fantastic artist called James Batty who created linking material between them. We also used a number of different sort of performance styles to do that. So there was a lot of physical movement. There was some sort of more choreographed sections. And uh, yeah, I mean, I I loved that project. Um, I we managed to make something I think that was really unique and that the young people really um, connected to. And there was a real I think one of the things that's most important when working with young people is 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 the company aspect. Um, you know, it's it's how, how you keep everyone involved because if there's a couple of people who aren't quite in the project, somehow that that echoes across the whole of the project. Mm-hmm. So one of the things you're trying to do is how can we create this in a way that everybody is equally invested within it? So I think that project worked very well for that. And yeah, and the third one you mentioned, which was um, Wonderland restored, which was uh, an adaptation of a piece at Opera Holland Park that I've worked on. Um, a, a, an opera of Alice's Adventures in Wonderland and that was um, adapted by the composer Will Todd for um, school choirs to sing so we um, yeah we sort of roamed the north and in each, in, in each town or city had a lot of school children join us and we partially told the story of Alice in Wonderland using some of the choristers at Opera North and we rehearsed some little bits with them but also there were moments where the school children stood up and they delivered some of the material and what was great about that was, in a sense, was working with the chorus of Opera North to create some quite fun sequences, and then actually watching the schoolchildren, who were basically in the performance, watching the performance of those choristers, and actually yeah. they've probably never been within a meter of an opera singer before. You know, for example, Stuart Lang pretending to be the red, you know, the, the evil Red Queen. <laughs> yeah, you know, with a, with a, a sword, with a tiara on his head, just sort of. Bar- I mean, I think in a way that was for those um, children to be so close to that was almost the most exciting element, the point Mm -hmm. where we have to make sure they remember to sort of stand up and sing the things they were meant to be singing. You know, there were moments where we did sort of little magical moments and you could hear the the children going, ooh, ah, you know, like, you know, kind of gasping and you kind of go, oh, this this is amazing. You know, we're really, not only are they part of a performance, but they're actually able to um, kind of, observe it and enjoy it and and realize what this crazy thing you know the opera is and what and what it can be and and the other advantage to the this big sing wonderland restored event was because a lot of people that came were the parents of the children who were involved and many of them may have maybe haven't seen anything like an opera before so i remember there was a couple performances where people would come up and say well that was the first piece of opera I've seen and you know I, I was in tears I absolutely loved it and you think gosh that's amazing that we're reaching those people and it, um, the, yes they're seeing their grandchildren singing on the stage but they are also experiencing the opera form for the yeah. first time so um yeah that was a really interesting and special project I think.
1: Do you, do you feel that doing these kind of projects kind of um complement uh, what what you are doing on main stage yeah
2: i i think definitely stage, I, yeah. I think um what's really important with the uh, well we, we call it i guess we call it main stage work don't we i suppose yes. the work which is in you know that we do in 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 the big theaters and leeds ground and, and the big pieces and the operas that everyone knows i suppose what doing these other projects makes me realize is just how important it is to make sure the work you present is accessible to people coming in and and you know that goes down to the story that you choose to tell if you choose to tell a story that that is confusing or people can't understand at all well then they're not going to enjoy their trip to the opera so having that person coming up to me you know at wonderland restored saying gosh that was my first opera and i really enjoyed it you know it that in a sense there wasn't a complicated narrative there. We just really committed to it, and and we did it. And actually, I think that is really important for us to remember because you know one of our big job big jobs mate is to bring people into theatre to watch opera and to really connect to it. There's that thing of always remembering that you're there could be someone watching the piece who has never seen it before, doesn't know the story, um, has never heard people sing in this weird way before, and you've got to really help primarily those people um understand what's happening because then hopefully opera as an art form will continue to flourish and people will keep coming to see it
1: so yeah if you had one tip to give young people who are thinking about embarking on a career as a director yeah one or two i mean
2: yeah yeah yeah.
1: <laughs> what what would that be
2: yeah it's uh it's really interesting, it's kind of like almost like what advice would I give, you know, give oneself if one, you know, was, yeah, when yeah, one was well, starting because you feel like you've learned so much on the journey. Yeah, well, a few things, I guess. I guess the first thing I'd say is is that I always felt like a pressure when I was young to to kind of have quite instant results. You know what I mean, and and to be able to reach my goals quite quickly, and that and it was it was a bad thing not to know what it is that you wanted to do. Um, and then you need to have those answers quickly. And um, I suppose one, if one wants to be a director, what I would say is, is just know that it's you're kind of in it for the long haul and that's okay. So it's fine to do small things to begin with and, and there might be periods where you're not doing so much. It's that weird thing of, I think in any job that we do in the arts, you know, if you're not currently working on something... Are you actually still doing the job, you know? And and I remember a long, long time thinking, oh, you know, I've got three months here when I'm not working, and that makes me unemployed and I'm a bit of a failure that I'm not doing anything. But actually, sometimes that space can be some of the most important time that you can have. I didn't know I wanted to do this job properly until I started doing it. You know, in a strange way, but mm-hmm. tr- truthfully, like I, I was sort of really interested in it and I was being drawn towards it. But that thing of saying this is absolutely what I want to do, is probably something that I couldn't really say until, you know, my mid to late 20s even. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's sort of quite important. And it allowed me to find the job in a way which wasn't like, I need the information, I need to understand it all straight away. But actually, it sort of swirls around you a bit and you pick up on things and you slowly but surely begin to form your understanding of what that job is. I think also with directing, it's going to see things is the most important thing and one of the hardest things I found during the pandemic and certainly coming back from it is there was a year and a half where I saw very little work and I was coming to direct things myself and uh, I was feeling a little bit uninspired and a little bit... Yes,
1: yeah, because you get inspiration from watching other people's work as Absolutely. well, Absolutely, yeah.
2: yeah. I, I was feeling quite numb. Mm-hmm. And I was kind of going, well, what does this mean? Does this mean that you know, I've lost my enthusiasm or, you know... But actually I went, you know, I just haven't seen anything for so long. And and it's a funny thing, directing, especially in theatre, um, where you have this sort of weird suspension of disbelief... If you don't go and see stuff, it's like you stop believing in the ability for theatre to work, you know, and to find the pieces that really, you know, there are a few things that I've seen, um, uh, you know, in my life so far, which have really moved me. Um, and that thing where you've seen something and you go away for a few days and you're a little bit like, you don't know, you feel a bit shifted inside. And I think, you know, giving yourself the maximum opportunity to experience those moments where you, you really... For you personally, um, you know, feel the power of what theatre and, and musical theatre or opera can do makes you desperate to try and find that feeling again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, either as a director or, um, or or doing it so other people can experience that feeling. Yeah.
1: I thought you might have some advice as well for young performers, so singers yeah. or actors. So I imagine you are um, involved in a lot of auditions as a director. Yes, I'd say
2: um, just really enjoy your preparation for those for those auditions and those events i mean i i feel like people worry about quite a lot about what the people watching you might want from you um which is ridiculous because you can't ever know that it's you're sort of second guessing things and that can sort of send yourself in sort of circles and things and and it's almost like people believe when they go to an audition there's things they're allowed to do and things they're not allowed to do so i remember working with sort of young actors and saying oh they say, oh, so so, could I do this speech sitting down? You're going to go, yeah, totally. You just ask for a chair and then you would sit down and do it. But people don't know that that's okay to ask those questions. Spend lots of time with the material that you're going to do. Really, really find yourself in it. Spend, You know, really know what you want it to be and what your instinct and trust your instincts. If you have ideas about it, don't, don't you know, have that idea and then, oh, it's a bad idea. No, go with it. Explore it because that will... That will be um, that will create something unique. A lot of the time, when you're auditioning people, you don't actually fully know what you're looking for. I mean, especially in opera, and I remember I've done auditions sort of, you know, twelve months before the piece, you know, is premiering. Before you've even sat down and worked out what it's going to be like, or you've barely even got a design, and you're having to pick a performer. You are looking to see what people bring bring to the to the audition, mm-hmm. um, and so I think bringing something with you, something brave, something that you feel passionate about, whatever that might be, um, just allows, you know, that, that's exciting to see and sparks the imagination of the people watching you as well as your own imagination.
0: You've been listening to the Opera North Artistic Futures podcast with opera director Matthew Eberard. Next time, I'll be speaking to conductor Sean Edwards. She will be leading the orchestra of Opera North on the 2nd of December at Huddersfield Town Hall. The concert will feature Pictures at an Exhibition and the magnificent pianist Joanna McGregor as soloist for Gershwin's Piano Concerto. If you have any burning questions for our future guests or would like to suggest people you would like to meet, please email education at opera You can also find us on Twitter, Search Up for North Education. See you next time.